this London Bridge ain't falling down. Welcome to the Detroit Joe Podcast. Today, I will remind you of the fact that we are all human beings sharing this world. If you are part of the disenfranchised community or not, I pray we are all working together to save our democracy in this country because democracy is being threatened. Some people have no idea that they are part of the disenfranchised. Allow me to help you. If you are not a white so-called Christian man with lots of money, you are probably disenfranchised. And one million dollars does not make you rich. I say this because during election time, too many of you vote like you are not disenfranchised. That's all I have to say on that subject, which leads me to the real interview today. So much has been said, written, placed on TV, and the big screen on our subject today, which is a good thing, for it educates many of us who want to learn. Who am I talking about? The trans women in this country. I had a friend who I watched go through the change, but that was mostly physical. What I later learned was the mistreatment and prejudice trans women go through. Today, I am fortunate to have a woman who is a trans woman and not afraid to discuss the topic or deal with people who don't understand her life. The Detroit Joe Podcast welcomes London. Good afternoon, everyone. So glad to have you, London. Thank so you for glad. having me. Thank you for having me. Well, London, tell us a little bit about your childhood until you became grown. Well, I was born and raised in Detroit. Um, I was actually... Born in the Jeffrey Projects. I was raised in the Mac and Bewick area. I grew up on Seven Mile in Hoover. So, as you can see, I have had like a timeline of hoodness, is what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't mind it. I love where I'm from. Um, I appreciate where I'm from. I appreciate where I came from and where it's taken me. So, I would never turn my back on my city. I love my city. I do, too. I love my city. No matter where I go, um, out of town, I can't wait to get home. I cannot wait to get home. You know, Detroit is different. And some people laugh at the fact, well, you must be from Detroit. Yeah, but this is where I feel comfortable. You know, we are a segregated city. I'm comfortable with that. I guess I should be ashamed of it, but I'm not. Mm-mm. Well, I should be ashamed of it. That's where you're from. That's yeah. where it taught you your survival, yes. how to live, 
and everything. Mm-hmm, I appreciate it. And plus, then I know what comes along with where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Opposed to learning new places and new things and dealing with new BS. It's stressful trying to learn a new area. Um, I tried it before and I ended up back at home. Okay. <laughs> I ended up back at home. Do you find Detroit more open to you being you? No. Um, actually, no. You'd be surprised. It's a lot. But when you maneuver the way that you maneuver and you live the way that you live, um, it doesn't bother you. Um, once you become comfortable with who you are as an individual, nothing, no one away from you can make you feel less than who you are. Okay. Now, from the east side, so you went to what high school you to? Um, so when it came down to high school, I was accepted to Murray Wright. They had a compact program. Um, I went to Murray Wright for like a semester. Um, I got kicked out of Murray Wright for defending myself. Um, they kicked me out, told me that I was a threat to the student body. I was being bullied by a football player, a known football player um, at the time. And yeah, they kicked me out. So I ended up going to the, the DSA, Detroit School of Fine and Performing Arts. But taking those courses over there, um, I became a dance major and a theater major over there. And some days I wasn't getting out of school until like eight o'clock. And I lived on the east side and taking a bus and I wasn't getting home till like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. My mind wasn't comfortable with that. So I ended up going to Denby High School and graduating from Denby. Okay, you you a Detroit girl for real. Uh, yep. <laughs> for real. Uh, yep. Okay. All right. I know many people on the queer spectrum, but I know very little about trans women. And I say trans women because there are trans men, but we're not going to talk about them. We're going to just talk about the girls stuff. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So please tell our listeners what makes a trans woman. So what makes a trans woman? You can go back. You at well, that's another question that you can ask. What makes a woman? So there's honestly no difference between trans womanhood and womanhood. I guess you could say that. Um, it's all on the same spectrum. Like I tell people, you're not born a woman. You're you're born female. That woman isn't distilled in you. You are taught how to be a woman. You are taught the things that a woman should do. Um, how a woman lives, how a woman moves, how a woman works. These are the things that you are taught from the women in your life. Just like manhood. You don't know how to be a man when you're born. Right. Just like you know, you don't know how to be a woman unless you know what to go through and how it goes and what you see and how you feel and your comfortability. And that's how it was. I never had the masculine vibe in me. Never, ever, 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 ever in my entire life. And I've had masculine role models around me all the time. Um, uncles, cousins, godfathers, and all that. I, I come from a very big family. I am the last of 16, so I'm not short from no nothing. Did you say 16? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, 16. One woman had 16 kids. My mother. The strongest woman. She's strong. That I know. The strongest black woman that I know. Did she have triplets in there? Not at all. She put out 16. 16. 16 natural birth children. 
Wow. You know, they say that black women are more fertile. Yeah. They can go ahead. <laughs> but, but but your mama's she's bad sister. Yep. No, that's my that's my shero. My mother is everything. Um I can remember me coming out not understanding who I was. Um because I come from I was born in 79. So I was born in I was raised in the 80s. So a lot of things was like wasn't discussed and talked about. And to this day, I said something to my mom the other day, like, my you know you never had a con- the sex conversation with me. And she said, well, you figured it out, didn't you? <laughs> I said, well, you're right. But I remember, um, I think growing up, I knew I wasn't like the rest of them. I was never the one, the one that played the football or played the basketball. I was always the one sitting on the porch, cheerleading from the sideline, playing with the roller skates and doing all that type of stuff. Okay. So I remember coming to my mom and finally telling my mom, well, I think I'm gay. And my mom looked at me with a look in her face. And she said, and I quote these words, that's not what you are. But when you realize that, we'll revisit this conversation. Two years later, I was 17, standing in the kitchen. And I told my mom that I was trans. And she said, you figured it out. You want to talk about it? You got a smart mama. She knew. She told me she knew. When I was five years old, but it wasn't for her to tell me who I was. It was for me to know who I was. You know, you hear so many stories of trans women going through so much stuff with their family, mm-hmm. not being accepted. Now, your mother, with 16 kids, knew her children. Yep. And she was going to let her children be who they are. Until they realized who they were. Yep. She is very special. Yep. But I'm not going to say it was accepted. <laughs> At okay. First, it wasn't. It was still a learning experience. Um, Just because she knew what it was, she didn't know how to deal with it, and she didn't know what come, came along with it, just as well as I didn't. Um, I was still new to everything myself. I was going off of emotions, um, feelings, and stuff like that. It wasn't down to the physical appearance part until later on once I realized um, the channels and the things that I had to do. I had to go into a whole, um, what can I call it? Like a cocoon stage. I had to go from like deep down and do some educating for myself to realize what's what. I didn't want to make those mistakes that a lot of our girls make by doing things black market underhandedly and harming yourself and doing all those things. I wanted to do things the right way because I knew that I had a purpose in life, but I didn't know what that purpose was. Girl, you know, you you are not what I thought was going to be (laughs) up here today. That is just unbelievable. Thank you. And uh, you are obviously a very smart, very smart sister too. Thank you. So let me ask you some more of these questions and, Keep educating me. Okay. Please. That's why I told you I had a purpose. And, <laughs> and you know, the trans women that I know really cannot pass. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. You can pass all day long. Thank you. Thank you. Seriously. Give me you some. know, I said to myself, this is just a fast sister. Look at her. You know? <laughs> And I said, I don't think you're going to get the same story from her that you might get from others. 
And that's what makes this important. Not everybody is alike. Nope. Everyone's experiences are different. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we are so caught up on TV. Yes, it is. That's the problem. And that's something that I am definitely going to talk about. But first, I'm going to say, what are, are the hardships going through the change that you went through? Um, Actually, the, the main hardship was with myself. Um, Again, trying to uh, maneuver from the life that they wanted me to live mm-hmm. to the life that I know I should be living. And it was kind of hard to make those adjustments at first because, again, you go through the pushing away and the stigma behind it. Oh, the weird, you're being weird or it's a phase. And it was always, like I said, back in those days, it was you're going through a phase. You're going through a phase. Like, no, it's not a phase. And it took a long time for my family to get in tune with it. I still have some that's like really ignorant to the fact. However, I developed this shut off switch where I don't entertain ignorance, no matter who it come from. Okay. Um, blood or not, you will not disrespect me and I will not demand something that should be given. So I know how to separate myself. But the, that was the biggest thing was for me, myself, that was the biggest obstacle was me. Was you? Yeah. How do people react to you? You have some that's like, because I'm very honest. Um, I don't like the the guessing game, the staring game. I'm very honest with who I am. Today, now, I haven't been through the whole, as they will call it, clocking scenario. Um, the rudeness, the outright disrespect. Um, oh, that's a man. Those type of things. I yes. have not dealt with those things in such a very long time. But again, at the beginning stage, you're finding yourself. So you don't have your look. You don't know um, what works for you. You're trying to figure it out. So that's when you go through the worst high, um, trying to figure it all out. That's when you go through the worst time. Do you think that the public is more educated to the trans world and they're not staring as much or are they still ignorant? They're still ignorant. Um, Everybody have their perception of what they think should be what. Everybody expect everyone to be this glamorous, oh, I can't tell, um, oh, she blends or he blends and I don't believe it. Everybody don't have those means. of being able to do that. It costs money to look the way that you look. It, it, it's not something that's just, okay, given. You have to grow into it. It's like puberty. You go through puberty all over again once you become a trans person. You so gotta, when you say looks, it costs money. When you say looks, you like, have surgeries that you have to have. Like, for instance, trans women, breast augmentation, facial feminization surgeries, um, body sculpting, things like that. And it costs some. Insurance don't cover everything. Um, right. Luckily now, after all the fighting that we have done, uh, we get insurance now are paying for like hormone therapy and stuff like that. But you still have those altering situations where you, you're you not comfortable with just your hormone breast. You want breast, you want bigger breast. You want a, a shaper body. You want smoother skin. And you have to go through all those things and those things cost. We don't go through nothing that the rich white woman don't go through. I hear you. I hear you. 
There was a time when many trans women had trouble trying to find work, even though they were qualified. You know, uh, people did not want to hire trans. But I know that I have met trans women that are in the fashion business. Mm -hmm. I met a trans nurse. Mm -hmm. Are people ignorant to hiring trans? I mean, like if you walked in anywhere, people would not see you as a trans woman. No, but I have been in those situations where I have been seen as a trans woman. Um, or no, I have being a trans woman, I still wasn't seen as a trans woman. I was still seen as a man um, for this being. Again, it comes you have to your credentials, your ID have to match. Your name has to match what you look like. If your name ain't matching what you look like, red flag. They don't want nothing to do with it. Then they have all these other questions and you go through all that. And I've been to, even when I registered for school to go to Wayne State in the middle of my transition and my name wasn't changed. So I had came up with this gigantic story just so I wouldn't have everybody keep looking and staring. Oh, I was named after my father. And people have all types of names today. You could be named after Chevette and won't nobody say nothing to you. But if your name is different than what you look like, you get all type of speculation. As a black trans woman, do you think that you go through more? I don't go through nothing. I'm allowing myself to go through, Miss King, honestly. Um, that goes back to what I told you earlier. I developed this switch. You cannot allow people to have more power over you than you have over yourself. And when you get those people that power over you, you lose power in yourself. And so you become a mechanism and a robot of other people's little puppet strings and that can hinder you. So it takes time to learn those type of things. But I have been down those type of roads before. But today, no. That's their issue. Yep. That is not yours. I tell people all the time, you have a problem with me, that's your problem. It ain't my problem because I don't have no problem with you. Okay. All right. There are many trans women that can't go to Wayne State or don't have the, you know, Wayne State is not part of their program. And therefore, the only jobs that they can do is some sex trade. Yeah. Um, if that's what you believe in. Okay. If that's what you feel like that's all you're worth, that's what you're going to steal in yourself and that's all you're going to be worth. I can only speak for myself. I knew that wasn't for me, for the fact of I had to take everything into consideration. Um, my background from living, growing up, my family, both sides, father and mother, I had to take all those things into consideration. And for me to be out there like that and my family get a wind of that, it would have opened up a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. I'll set up those things that I'm already dealing with, trying to figure out who I am and is there something wrong with me? Because everybody keeps saying that, oh, you're crazy and all of these type of things. So it's what you think that's for you. Because everything is not fair. Everybody not meant for school. When I got to school, I realized that, girl, this ain't for me. I done did my 12 years of school. I don't think I can do another four. But I stuck it out because I knew it was something else that it is that I wanted to do. Mm. And so now I'm a funeral director. Um, I'm an HIV specialist. I'm an HIV counselor and tester. I'm a peer educator. I'm certified case manager. 
I have all these things going on. And these are the things that I didn't think that I could do because of who I was. But again, once I realized that I have the power in myself, you can't stop me from doing anything. London, you you out, out there doing a whole lot. Do you see a lot of the trans sisters out there doing sex trade? Yes, that's a part of my job. Um, being a prevention specialist, I'm the one out there at three or four or five o'clock in the morning making sure that the girls have the things that they need. I'm out there making sure that these girls have the safety measures. I'm out on the front line as the ones that's having these conversations with the police and all those things to decriminalize sex work because these are the things that the people have to do to survive yes. because our community doesn't accept them. Only way our community accept them is when they need them and fantasize and fetishize about them. All right. And that's all that we're worth to the community. Yes. And it's dangerous, isn't it? Yes. Your day-to-day life is dangerous being a trans woman. You... You have a mark on your back. You are you have three. Um, black, trans, and living in Detroit. You have limited time. You definitely have limited time. Mm-hmm. And me growing up being almost 45 years old, I have buried so many that I have raised. Um, I have buried so many that I have took into my home. I have buried so many just on senseless crimes because people cannot accept the fact that you love these people, um, that you are attracted to these people because you're so paranoid, scared what your peers may think of you. So that's why you have to figure you out before you bring anybody else into your toxicity. You have to figure your own toxic traits out. What's bothering you? What is it that you can't accept about yourself? Because you shouldn't be taking that out on somebody else. So we still have... A lot of murders. Yes. Of, what's the point of murdering you? Because you don't want nobody to find out what you like. You don't want nobody to know your business. And you're so scared and you're paranoid. So you you try to get rid of the evidence. God. And people don't want to talk about it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. You hook up with these ladies. You deal with these ladies at 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning after you leave the club high and drunk in your little horny phase and stage. And now that you're high down, you don't want nobody to find out what you did. Well, I don't even know you. So what makes you think I know who you deal with? So they think that their next choice is to take somebody's life. That's the best thing that they figure out they can do. Now, that's sick. It is. I've had people around me that has been dismembered in parts of their body in different places. And we have to... um, wrap our arms around this mother who's missing a child, um, these brothers and sisters who's missing a sibling, because you can't accept the fact of who you are and what you like. That doesn't make any sense. Everyone has a preference. And I tell people, you can't get mad at me because you're not my flavor. I'm not a lot of people's flavor at all. Whether it's intimate or even having a simple conversation or sitting at a table having a bite to eat, My presence bother you more than your presence bother me. But I'm not out here to try to do bodily harm to you. This is a sick world. But we the sick ones because the life that we live. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. Well, let me say this. From the outside looking in, could we say that not all queer people have a good relationship with each other's, those 
that are on this whole, you know, spectrum, <laughs> the LGBTQA plus group. The LMNOPs, QRSTEUVWXYZs. Honestly, no, everybody don't get along. Everybody do not get along. It's like still to this day, that T is like the thumb of everything. All of them will be together and we still over here by ourselves. They will rally up and it'll still be the same thing. So either way it go, whether it's in the LGBTQI plus community or in the heterosexual community, we still are the awkward denominator for the people. I noticed more recently that lesbian women are not that close with gay men. And the way I found out, I was looking at MSNBC when that Britney, the, the basketball player, when she got locked up there in Russia mm-hmm. and a lesbian sister was on and she was pissed. She said that the gay men have done nothing to help them. And we know that gay men will normally have more money because mm-hmm. we know that when AIDS was out there, that those gay men got out there and they raised money and they did everything else. But now you got a lesbian sister who is in jail in a different country and you don't come out strong and say, we have got to help her. So, okay. Well, I'm not a gay man and I'm not a lesbian. So my question would be, what did you do for your fellow sister? Did you come out strong? Did you protest for your sister? Did you fight for your sister? Did you do these things that these brothers did for their brothers? These brothers got on that line and they fought to be seen. They fought to be heard. They fought to get the care that they needed when this epidemic first came around. We're still dealing with this epidemic. Today, I work for a program called Ending the Epidemic, um, which surrounds around trying to end HIV. However... You can't do it by yourself. We can't do it alone. Okay. You got to be educated somewhere. You got to stand up and fight. Your voice needs to be heard just like everybody else's. Don't expect nothing from no one that you cannot expect from yourself. And I believe that too. But I, when she said that, I said, something's different here. But it's just like uh, my husband and I were talking about unions. He works for Amazon. I said, You all need to be in a union. Nobody's going to fight for you unless you all fight for your own self. Exactly. I said before they had the UAW, those men lost their lives fighting for themselves. So, you know, I think that some, oh, lesbian sister's going to kill me, but some (laughs) uh, don't really come out with it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're in the, you know, closet, but they, you know, go ahead and live their lives. And want to point the finger and say, well, they should have did what well, I feel like they should have did. They should have spoke up. They should have did this. And it'll take me to say, well, you should have did. You should have spoke up. You should have did these things. Because at the end of the day, this is your community. Y'all don't do nothing for my community. But when I fight, I fight for everyone as a whole because I serve everyone as a whole, whether you're gay, straight, bi, um, gender nonconforming, whatever the case may be, 
my work is a wide frame that needs to be distilled into everyone. Um, HIV is for everybody. HIV don't have a face. It don't have a gender. It don't have a preference. It does not care. And what people fail to understand and realize, it's not a gay disease. It's not a trans disease. It is a sexual transmitted infection for everyone. Just like herpes, just like gonorrhea, just like syphilis. It does not pick and choose who it wants to attack. So people need to understand and realize that and get educated on it. Because today we have over 639 new cases of HIV infections in Detroit, and they're all Black women. Say that again. 639 new cases of HIV in Detroit that are Black women. Black women. Black women. But we want to keep pointing and saying this is a gay thing. We think it's everybody, but it could never be us. Exactly. So when y'all see these commercials about PrEP, when y'all see these commercials about condom usage, it's not just for the gay man. It's for everybody. We need to be more educated. We need we to do, take care of ourselves. We, we do. And in some of those ads, they really don't make you realize it's for everybody. Exactly. And those would be other conversations that I'll be having with these pharmaceutical companies that benefit off the dollar of the gay spectrum. No, let's be clear here. Um, y'all need to do better with the graphics. Y'all need to do better with the language. Y'all need to do better with everything. Because again, this is affecting our mothers, our sisters, our everybody, which carry our kids, which can be passed on to our babies. And all these type of things, because we're not taking care of ourselves and we're not educated enough to understand that this is not a one-person thing. Mm. Well, let me ask you this, because a friend of mine wanted to know this. <laughs> well, I can't say she really wanted to know. She had an argument with another woman. And one of the women was trans, the other I, I assume wasn't. And she said that a man would rather have a trans woman than a, what, cis woman? I guess that's that new word they have given the us. Cisgender straight. women. Now, what is a cisgender? So it's not a new term. Um, it's not nothing that was just dug up because people was bored during COVID. Um, no, actually, that was definitely a scientific term. Um, it's another way of saying biological, um, which a lot of people felt a way when it was Oh, I'm a woman, don't biological me, but what do you want us to say? So now they started using the correct term cisgender, which now they feel some type of way about that. It's like you can't please everybody, but whatever. So think of it as biological. That's yeah, what that's basically saying. what it is. So what they put on your birth record, that's what you are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But we know that there are babies that come into the world that have both. Yep. And what's sad about it is that they leave it up to the doctor. I haven't heard it being left up to the doctor. I've always heard they, they bring it to the parent and they give the parent the option to choose. Um, that was then. But today, you got other options on birth certificates now. You got X. So I guess when you get to a point in your life where you realize who you are, you can go ahead and change the X to something else. I don't know. Don't quote me. I was born with M and F. Uh, when I got to a point, my M became an F on my birth certificate, along with everything else. So, do you think that the average man 
or is it just some men that would uh, rather have a trans woman as opposed to a cis woman? I'm going to be completely honest with you and say that to me is a bunch of BS. And I wish people stopped with the comparison um, between the two. And that's what another issue is. Your preference is your preference. If you are attracted to femininity, no matter what shape, form, or fashion that femininity comes in, that's what your attraction is. I don't think it has nothing to do with genitalia because I don't know what your genitalia look like. I know what you look like. Mm -hmm. I seen you and I was attracted to you. I don't know what you got going on down there. (laughs) I don't until we get to that point. Uh That's when I can determine do I rather do this or do I walk away from it? Okay. And all a man would have to do is walk away. That's it. You know, that would be so easy. If that's not the woman that you want, you say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and walk away. But I bet you most of those men are married. Majority of them be married. Yeah, majority of them. I would say 99.8% of the men that actually deal with trans women are married or are attached. And a lot of these guys, and I can speak from my own perspective because I deal with a lot of um, heterosexual men because Again, I'm feminine, I'm bodied as a woman, I present myself as a woman, and don't too many gay men are attracted to trans women. So where that leaves me, the men that are. So I have had my fair share. Um, I don't do married men. Um, That's a preference of mine. I tell you, I'm not a homewrecker. I don't do that. The woman I find out that you're attached, married, or anything of that nature, I cut it off, especially... When it gets to the iCloud messaging and only the emails and I don't have a phone number or none of that type of stuff and I can't reach you when I want to reach you, that lets me know that there's someone else there and I don't need to be that because I'm not second to no one. I feel the same. (laughs) But now I am, you know, married. But why do you want to mess up somebody's home? Because I want nobody messing up mine. Yeah. And plus, that's messy. Mm -hmm. And it can also get dangerous. Yes. You be you be worried and concerned about these men taking our lives, but you need to be so concerned about some of these women out here, too. Now, that's something to think about. Mm-hmm. People want to blame the man, but they need to be thinking about these sisters. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, there was a TV show, Pose. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of us got our information from. At least I did. <laughs> I like the show. And it just opened me up to a whole new way of looking at people. Now, what I found interesting is that the trans women lived in one house and they had a woman that they called mother. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what, is this the norm or is this TV? This normal. Um, it's really my life. Um, that's really, Pose was really my life, I'm be honest with you. And it come along with, again, finding who you are and then looking at the younger people behind you, trying to find out who they are. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how it comes along. Um, I am a mother of 45, and that's not just in the city, that's across the board. I have 45 children. Um, I have buried 16, um, whether it was from... Drugs and or census acts of crime. Um, but that's definitely how it goes. You are the mother. You you are the nurturer. You are the one that looks out to make sure everybody is good. 
um, don't have nowhere to go, haven't eaten, um, in trouble, need resources, things like that. That's how I roll. Only thing is with me, I haven't pushed you out of my body, but I've done everything else for you as a mother. Try to keep your children safe. Yes. Because your children have no place to go. Your children don't have nowhere to go. Your children just out here. Your children have been turned away from their biological families. Um, don't have no dealings with biological families. Parents are deceased and just been out here. And again, you you become that role model, that person that they have been watching. And you have actually been watching them too. And you you know, you attach yourself to people and people attach themselves to people as well. So that's the way it goes. That's where it goes. It's for like real life. Pose was based off um, a documentary called Paris is Burning with the real life individuals that these I people. remember them. Yep. So a lot of the um, characters that was in Pose was actually playing these actual people from Paris is Burning. So Electric whole storyline was based off Dorian Corey. Um, Blanca whole storyline was based off Avis Pendavis, which was a previous house mother of mine. Um, I was in the house of Pendavis at one point. I was in the house of Ninja. I started in the House of Infinity, um, the Infinity Project, and then I became Mother Ninja. Um, Willie Ninja seen something in me, and it started from there. And from there, it just boiled over, and here I am. 24 years in ballroom scene, um, 26 years in the community. I was in the community before I was in the ballroom scene, and... Now, tell me about the ballroom scene. Is that the family decides that, you know... They pick out their best dancers. It's just a fun activity. So the ballroom scene is like friendly competition between different entities. Like currently I'm in the house of Revlon. So at a ball, you would go against other houses. Like me being in the house of Revlon, I would go against an Ebony or um, a Lavian or Miss Rahi or the Gorgeous Gucci. You would battle for trophies and or money. And made the best house win. And we have that here. We have a lot of... Yes, we do. Um, December 2nd, we will be having our first World AIDS Day ball um, in Detroit. Now, can anybody go? Yes, anybody can come to the ball. Anybody can come. I would like to go. I have never seen one. I'd like to go. You come out. So will you, will you call me? I'll definitely I'll send you all the information. I sure would. I'll send it to you. Because I cannot believe some of those moves. <laughs> Especially one where y'all, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about, that kick up and you come down. That's that Vogue for you. Ballroom is a outlet for a lot of the um, LGBTQ youth. Um, they give them self-expression to express their creativity. Um, it's an outlet for them to release their stress on the dance floor instead of like being violent, fighting and carrying on. Sometimes it can get to the point where, girl, you know, I did better than you and y'all being shady on this panel. But, yeah. you know, sometimes an L is an L. Take a loss and come back and bring it the next time. Um, you leave yourself open to be judged by individuals. So you shouldn't be angry when it comes to the, these opinions that these people have. Because one day you'll be up there and you'll be judging the same people that's judging you and you have your opinion. So you have to think about that instead of just wanting to just run up and choke somebody out. Because they chopped you up, picked over you. Wow. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Why so many letters? <laughs> L-G-B-T-Q-A plus. Uh, why so many letters? 
just a way for everybody to separate? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get canceled. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but it's hard to keep up even being a part of the community. And who am I to tell the next person how to identify? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I need people to understand that gender identity and sexual preference are two different entities and you can't put them all together. Just because a person identifies as a trans man or trans woman does not mean that they are gay. We have a lot of trans men and trans women relationships where they have children, they are married. No kidding. Yeah. And also you do have some trans women and gay men relationships, just like you have trans men and gay men relationships. Just because of how a person identifies, you can't put a different label on them because you don't know what they like and what they do. So they just came up with a whole alphabet. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's a lot to keep up with. So mm-hmm. I stay over here by myself. Like I say that thumbs. <laughs> I stay up here. Y'all can figure all the other stuff out. Just keep me in the loop so I'll know how to address people properly. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to misgender you. I don't want to give you a gender that you're not. Just let me know. Educate me as I can educate you. Okay. All right. What's the one thing that you want the public to know? Mm, We're not going anywhere. Trans people are not going anywhere. We've been here from the beginning of time. It's not nothing new. It's not nothing that science created. It's not nothing that man created. We've been here from the beginning. We're just more now publicized. And a lot of more people are more in tune and comfortable with who they are. So that's why you're seeing it a lot. In all fairness, it's monetary too. A lot of people are trans for pay. Me for one, I'm not. Um, this is who I am. You couldn't give me a amount of dollar to go through the things that I done went through all over again just for some money. Mm-hmm. Not at all. So, No, it's something that uh, I guess that people who don't like the disenfranchised folks which is, I think it's everybody, practically. Mm-hmm. I guess they think that we're going somewhere. You don't have enough bullets to take us out. No. And what you think we are going to do while you clowning? You know, we're not going nowhere. Black folks are not going nowhere. People in the alphabet. <laughs> they ain't going nowhere either. <laughs> as much as y'all want them to, y'all can go through all that putting them on one planet if you want to. It still ain't going nowhere. And just understand that. Just take it into consideration that people are people. Um, a lot of things that people go through is not their own choices. A lot of choices have been taken away from a lot of us, no matter if you are part of the alphabet or heterosexual, cisgender, transgender, all that. A lot of things have been taken away from us. And you have to allow yourself to regain what you lost. And knowledge is one of them. Yes. We allow TV, we allow the internet, we allow all these things to um, cloud our mind and our own judgments. And then we be sitting here looking goofy and crazy. Like, I can't believe I just allowed myself to go through these things. But... You watched yourself go through these things and you knew what you was going through was not something that you wanted. I don't watch TV. I don't do the news. I can't watch the news. The news is depressing. I have enough depression around me. The news I understand. 
I can't do it. Every time you look at the news, either east side, west side, a baby, elder, um, this and that, it's never nothing celebratory on the news. Never. Always something tragic. So I just rather keep me up out of that. I don't look at the local news. I can look at MSNBC because they do a whole world thing, what's happening, and it's political. I can do that. But I found myself during the pandemic getting further and further away from local. Mm -hmm. And I should should have been closer to them because I'm part of the community, but I couldn't take it. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't take it any further. Well, I want to thank you for coming and educating us. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, that's why I say make sure everybody listens because most people, they have no idea. They think they know. Mm -hmm. And too many of them are rude and disrespectful. You know, uh, you know, it have even be part of the alphabet. About 10 years ago, a woman, she was white. She said something to me, and I went after her. And luckily, she had her man with her, and he pushed her into the elevator. I couldn't believe myself, because I don't do that. But you're like, who do you think you are? This world does not belong to you. Yep, man. It's their privilege thing. It's that whole privileged thing. And again, it goes back to letting people take their power to make you go that way. But sometimes you just have to. And I get it. I understand because I'm not going to pretend that I'm perfect. I'm not. I know I come from a temper. I have a temper. Um, and that's why I developed that switch because, again, I know where I can go. And when I get to that point, it's hard for me to draw back from that point because now I'm going back into survival mode. Um, being through a lot of the things, the molestations, the rapes, all these type of things, you get to a point where you put up a defense mechanism. So now you are all 10 ready to take down any and everything that's coming your way because you're still holding on to trauma and all that stuff that came along prior to these things. So you have all this extra buildup and you just, one little thing, just hit that switch and you just blast off. And I learned that that was, could be dangerous for me. Okay. Well, I want to, again, thank you for coming and keep fighting the good fight out there for us all. And uh, please stay safe. I will. I promise. Now for my two cents. Speaking for myself. People have the right to be who they want to be. But no one has the right to put their hands on people and sadly kill them. I realize sex workers have been on the earth since the Bible. But we are not the ones to judge. Our country and really the world are going through evil and hard times. We can't afford to fight and mistreat each other. We must help each other regardless of their title. 
Climate change does not pick or choose. We all need each other regardless of their alphabets. That's my two cents. Well, this is Detroit Joe signing off. And whatever you do, walk in love and peace.